0: How full do you want your life to be? I'm not asking about temporary, superficial, or artificial fullness. There are lots of ways that the world offers temporary, superficial, and artificial fullness. But it's not real fullness. How full, truly full, would you like your life to be? What sort of impact would you like your life to have? What sort of significance would you like the time that you spend on this earth to mean? I'm not talking about flashy awards or career accomplishments. I'm not talking about how much money you earn. What I'm asking is... In light of eternity, what sort of impact would you like the 60, 70, 80, 90 years that you spend on this earth to have? I can't answer for anybody in the room. But I can answer for myself. I want to be full And I want to be significant. Jesus gave us the very pattern for both. He said, if a seed stays self-contained up on top of the ground, it maintains its shape, it undergoes no destruction or decay, But it also never amounts to anything either. If, however, the seed goes into the ground, where the moisture in the soil begins to decay its shell and it begins to devolve, something significant happens. And as a result of that death, the seed really begins to live. And so I am aware of the time. I want you to know that. But I have some things that I want to say today. So, would you turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20? These words written by Paul speak back to the crucifixion that Jesus endured. And I know we've been sitting a while, so I'm going to ask you to stand just for a chance to stretch your legs and uh, be out of that same position that you've been in for a little bit and we'll read this together i will i will read the verses you just fo- i will read the verse you just follow along with me as i read paul wrote these words To Galatian Christians who, as a matter of fact, had been deceived by some false teachers, some people had slipped in behind Paul and said, Yes, yes, now what Paul told you is true. Jesus did die on a cross for our sins, He was buried, He rose again on the third day, and He provides salvation. But that salvation has to be earned by what you do. You also have to add to what Jesus did by what you do, and Paul said, no, 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 that's not the case, and then we get this big verse in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, and gave himself for me, you may be seated, when you're thinking about the fullness of life, when you're thinking about the significance of life, Paul pointed back to the act of the crucifixion. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. If, if we roll the calendar back, in a sense, all of us, who have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, have also been crucified with Him. Something about Jesus' death also impacts our lives. So how do we live out this being buried as a seed? Let me, I'm going to do this quickly, as quickly as I'm able, and still do justice to what the text says. But first, I want you to understand that crucifixion is an act of voluntary humility. Our world, especially in our culture, is based upon climbing. The higher you get, the more successful you are. The more recognized you are, the greater honor that you have, the more people that you have working for you, the higher you get, we equate that as success. And Jesus said that thought is exactly wrong. It's not just that it's a little bit off. It is exactly wrong. Jesus said true significance, true fullness doesn't come with climbing higher. It comes with going lower. Seeds have to go into the ground. They have to be buried. They They have to disappear from sight. They can't even be seen if they are going to burst forth with new life. Crucifixion is an act of voluntary humility. When Jesus was on earth, his enemies mocked him. You might remember this. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, scoffers came by and they shouted their ridicule at Jesus, elbowing each other. Look at the big man now. He he saved others. He can't even save himself. Jesus certainly could have saved himself. Scriptures tell us he could have called legions of angels to come down and fight the Roman soldiers and release him from the cross. But Jesus did not even need those angels. Nobody took Jesus' life from him. He was not overpowered by Roman soldiers. The nails did not hold him to the cross. Jesus held himself to the cross. Voluntary humility. Particularly here... In the Western culture where we live, people are obsessed with being given their due respect and their honor. And they live their lives by this phrase I deserve. And Jesus never lived by I deserve, Jesus lived by I serve. And those are two completely different ways of living. The people who say, well, here's what I deserve, never have fullness. And they never have significance and impact. Listen to what I'm telling you. The greater the ego, the smaller the impact. Jesus said, I will choose to come out of heaven down to earth. Nobody's kicking me out of heaven. The angels are not rallying around saying, Jesus, you must go do this. Voluntary humility. The cross was not dignified. I mean, we see paintings of Jesus, of someone's depiction of Jesus hanging on the cross, but in every painting, rightfully so, for appropriateness, Jesus is clothed. The Bible scholars believe that Jesus was stripped completely naked. I mean, first of all, you're hanging up as a spectacle for people to come by and mock you, and that would be one thing if you were fully clothed, but not having a stitch on. And can you imagine being in front of a group of people marching by with nothing on, in addition to the physical torture you were facing? Jesus could have missed it all but he chose voluntary humility. You moms and dads know the difference involuntary and involuntary, don't you? Now, had, if Jesus had been overpowered by the Roman soldiers, if, if he had not been able to escape, that would have been humility, but it would not have been voluntary humility. Jesus would have been shamed and embarrassed, but not voluntarily so. And parents know the difference in that. If one of you moms or dads comes home one evening and you think to yourself, I don't even know what we are going to have for dinner. And as you pull into the driveway, you think, oh, I forgot to take the dishes out of the dishwasher. Before I'm even able to get started on dinner, I've got to get those dishes out. And you go inside and you call to the back of the house and you ask your your child to, to come to the front and take out the, dish, the dishes, take the dishes out of the dishwasher. And if they do it, you would be grateful for that, but that's not voluntary. You can make your children act properly by discipline. I'm taking, I'm taking some free time away, or the, the crime of all crimes, I'm taking away your phone. All of a sudden, behavior changes, but it's not voluntary. But what if you were to pull into your driveway and you were to think, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Oh, I forgot to take the dishes out. I've got to do that before we start dinner. And you walk in and you lower the door of the dishwasher. And the dishes are all out of the dishwasher. You open the cabinets and they are put back in their proper place. You call out to the back of the house, who took the dishes out of the dishwasher? And your teenager replies, I did, Mom. (laughs) When your child came to visit you in the intensive care unit after your cardiac event, you would lift your trembling hands. Why did you do it? Because voluntary is different from involuntary. The way that our lives matter and the way that they are at their fullness is we utterly abandon the sentence, I deserve. And we choose to live by, I serve. So crucifixion is an act of voluntary humility. It's also an act of complete surrender. Crucifixion didn't involve just a part of the body. You don't see picture, you don't see paintings of Jesus and, and have, you, know, an arm crucif- uh, nailed to a cross. This was a complete act. This was something that involved the totality of Jesus' life on Earth. Jesus suffered an act that involved all of who he was. And when we are thinking about this verse from Paul, he says, I've been crucified with Christ and I don't even any longer live. He said, all of me has been abandoned. It has all been given to Jesus Christ. I don't even have a will anymore. I choose to do what he says. I choose to submit myself to him. Crucifixion is complete surrender. Where you say, I I do whatever you say. In fact, do do you remember When Jesus was talking to Peter in John chapter 21, he said, Peter, right now you go where you want to go, but a day is coming because of your devotion to me. People are going to bind you, and you will not be able to go where you want to go. And the reason he would not is because he would be nailed to a cross. History says Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel himself worthy to die in the same way that Jesus did. If you're on the cross... There is no movement. You do not say, well, let me take a little break to run over here and get a drink of water. It's it's complete surrender. And Paul said, that's the way to significance. That's the way to fullness not by offering to Jesus the fringes of our lives, not by offering Him what we won't miss and continue to allow us to live as we want to. I'm telling you something, and I say this as someone with, with care and compassion. There is going to be a, an awful reckoning day for many people who claim to be followers of Christ. Because they only offer to Jesus what does not inconvenience the lives they want to live. They will be in church as long as they're not too sleepy. They will give this money as long as they still can afford everything that they want. They will devote this time as long as it doesn't inconvenience some things that they're really passionate about. They give Jesus the leftovers. Now let's just say we don't have any, anybody that I know of right this, but you know how Southern churches do. If someone has a death in the family or a hospitalization or something like that. They typically, m- meals go to those people's homes, and, and they're, you know, the church ministers to them. What if you were sitting at dinner? And then all of a sudden you realized, oh, so-and-so had a death in the family. We need to take some food over there. And then you picked up the plate from which you were eating. You put some saran wrap over the top of it. You got in your car. You drove over to their house and said, we're praying for you. And there on your plate was... Pulled pork that had kind of been soaking in barbecue sauce there. There was potato salad still with your fork marks in it. There were baked beans over here. There was a roll that had some butter on it and you had a a bite taken out of it. How do you think the people would receive that? Do you think they would say, this, we can't can't believe this. This is so, so wonderful. And there's not a person in this room who would do that. There is not a single individual in this room that would say, you know what, this is appropriate for them, but that's exactly what we do with the Lord. Jesus, you just get the leftovers. Whatever I can do to make sure that I enjoy all of my time, all of my money, all of my energy, all of everything else, and then whatever is left, you are welcome to that, but you better let me get mine first. That's not crucifixion. Crucifixion is an act of voluntary humility. It's complete surrender, but it is also abounding joy. Look at what Paul said here in verse 20. He said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but he said Christ lives in me. Something supernatural is going on. There is something amazing that is happening. Jesus is living his life through me things that I never imagined I could be a part of, watching the transformation of lives, seeing how Jesus' kingdom is increasing. He said, I never thought about that. My dying is actually resulting in Jesus living in me and the life that I now live in the body. I don't even know how to explain it. I'm just saying I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you and I are willing to say, Jesus, I will lie down on a cross. Not because I'm being overpowered. Not because I'm being broken and forced to. I am choosing to say I serve rather than I deserve. And I'm giving all of myself to you. Not some, not most, not nearly all. Jesus, you can have everything. Paul says something remarkable happens. Jesus begins to stir in us. Jesus begins to work. He begins to expand his impact in our hearts. And then, as a result of that, just like that seed bursts out of the ground, great fruit comes. And that is where life's deepest joys are when we know we are a part of something eternal. When, when we know our eyes will close for the last times on this earth. But what Jesus did through us lives on. That is significance. Not a bank account. Not a diploma on a wall. Not a big office. Significance is saying, Jesus, I die with you so that you can live through me. And that is the way that we are to live. I'm going to ask Philip and Jackson to come and they're going to lead us in a closing song of commitment today. Perhaps there are people who are here have never who have never said yes to Jesus for the very first time. This is a great season for surrendering to Jesus. And so if there are people who are here who have questions about beginning a relationship with God, I'll be standing right here at the front. If there are those who want to go deeper in their relationship with Christ and you just really don't know how to do that, I'll be glad to talk with you as well. Philip, what are we going to sing? 579, I surrender all. Let's stand together, please.